I'm Aaron. This is Paul. This is Wayne. Well, guys, I never thought this day would get here, but the new season of The Mandalorian has started. And all I got to say is this, my friends, this is the way. <laughs> you know, if somebody hadn't watched the uh, that whole Boba Fett season that was terrible, mm-hmm. I could imagine them uh, being frustrated because there were quite a few major, you know, advancements in the storyline that happened during those two episodes of Boba Fett that Boba Fett wasn't in. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, what the hell? I skipped the book of Boba and now I don't know what's going on in my Mandalore. (laughs) But you saw we all saw Book of Boba, right? We did. Unfortunately. Well, you know, I mean, the last three episodes I thought were great of Book of Boba Fett. No, because they were basically Mandalorian season 2.5. The whole series was horrible, except for the episodes that Boba Fett wasn't in. Yeah, exactly. Well, I got to say the end of the cold open of uh, the current season of The Mandalorian, uh, the the new season of The Mandalorian, Mm -hmm. where, you know, he pulls up in his uh, little, you know, spaceship after having, you know, blasted the space alligator. And the the joy that washed over me when you see Grogu crawl up in his little bubble. I, I just it was this, this this perfect shot of, you know, uh, the Mandalorian there, you know, in his cockpit. And then there's that special child bubble <laughs> <laughs> on his spaceship with Grogu just climbing up there. Hey, guys, I, I just I love that. I just like, oh, yes, we are back, baby. I, I was very excited. Yeah, I wasn't sure during that scene at first. I thought it was going to be a flashback. Uh, so I think that's yeah. certainly what they were trying to gear you to think because I, I felt very engineered that I was supposed to feel like that was our guy. Right. Yeah. You know, that was little, little Pedro Pascal, uh, you know, getting his, uh, his, his helmet. Um, I still think that ship it's like, I love the ship. It's great. And it's horrible for a bounty hunter. Cause where are you going to put your bounty? Yeah. But we did learn this episode that, uh, there's apparently a hatch or something. So Grogu can crawl from his little bubble up into his lap. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's like I, uh, it's like a hamster cage, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I actually really don't like the ship, and I understand it's a Jedi starfighter, right, um, or a Naboo starfighter. Right. Um, so I appreciate the callback, and it's cool looking, and it's a cool looking ship. Yeah, I appreciate but, the speed and firepower of it, but it is not good for a bounty hunter. Well, yeah. it, it seems like his ship needs to be like an RV, like his old ship was. Yeah, the exactly. Razor Crest. The Razor um, Crest, yeah. Yeah, I, I, it just it feels like it, it, it ought to be something he can live in, and it just seems awfully uncomfortable for, you know, long trips. Yeah, you know, the Razor Crest, you could set entire episodes on the Razor Crest. You right. know, it, was, it, it was a character in and of its own. Um, you know, with multiple levels and, you know, it was a great set. And, you know, this is, you know, it's basically yeah, I, a fighter jet. And it's like it I'm also really, was a great Lego kit that I have up on my shelf because <laughs> exactly. I, I really saw it as kind of a, you know, a 70s era good times van. Right. You know, uh, a, a la, you know, the A team, <laughs> you know, uh, that was just really how I saw the Razor Crest is that, you know, this is what he drives around in from town to town to go do his business. And, uh, you know, when when the Razor Crests are rocking, don't come knocking. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'm I'm with Paul on the aspect of it wasn't just his ship. It was his home. Mm-hmm. And now he has no home. Yeah, because he yeah. lived in a van down by the river. <laughs> a van yeah. down by the river. 
Yeah. Now it's just a cockpit. You know, it's, it's not as interesting on screen. But, you know, yeah. regardless, it was, you know, it's it's still a pretty ship. I just missed the Razor Crest. And it's funny to me that, you know, Hasbro and Lego and all of them are still selling Razor Crest, you know, Because it's a more interesting ship. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. I just bought toys of the Razor Crest within the last couple weeks, and I have yet to see a toy of his new ship. Mm-hmm. But I don't think I would buy a toy of his new ship. Unless it came with a little Grogu in the uh, bubble. It would have to, right? It would have to. Have to. I, you know, I I do like that little Starfighter thing. And I love, more important, I love the sound engineering to it. Mm -hmm. You know, because it it just sounds like such a hot rod. It sounds fun. And it reminds me so much of American Graffiti. Um, That's what, that's what I I find so evocative about it is, is the sound engineering. But, you know, to your point, I want him to have a home. And more importantly, Grogu needs a home. Yeah. Grogu needs yeah. Grogu needs to stretch his little legs. His, his, otherwise, he's gonna he's gonna it's gonna stunt his growth. Exactly, he's gonna get cramps. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you know, it's uh, you know, you mentioned the cold open, and I've seen a lot of stuff lately where the special effects have been subpar. Um, you know, Marvel TV shows or movies or things like that, and and then the you know the cold open of this with the the giant crocodile creature. You know, fighting the Mandalorians. And I just, I, I was like, wow, like these are good special effects. <laughs> this looks real. It's exciting. I don't know. It was like, it, it, it was almost like a warm blanket as oh, soon yeah. as the show started. Um, <laughs> yeah. Ah, oh, this is a quality program <laughs> with good special effects and Grogu. And it was, it was like, ah, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm happy again. Yeah. And story wise, it had emotional beats. It had callbacks all the way back to the first season. It, it had Carl Weathers, a, really. What do you uh, need other than Carl Weathers? Exactly. Well, and can we talk for a moment the costuming on Carl Weathers? I need that outfit. I was like, <laughs> I feel like I that's how. I mean, I saw Carl Weathers at the premiere of the episode, and uh-huh. I'm like, I think this is how Carl Weathers just dresses in his life. <laughs> yeah, well, I love the callback of this is the only robot he trusts anywhere. Yeah. And that he yeah. wants that robot back, and only that one, because he doesn't trust any other robot. Yeah. The assassin droid is the only one that he uh, he uh, trusts. Yeah. Even after it wakes up and tries to kill him, that's uh-huh. the only robot he trusts. What is funny is, like, all this time has gone by. Because, like, IG-11 died in the first season. Right. <laughs> all this time has gone by. And uh, he's like, oh, let's bring him back to life now. I'm like, you could have done this <laughs> Years ago, yeah. but he didn't but have a need until now. Yeah, exactly. The friends are things that you don't think about until you need them to do something <laughs> for you. <laughs> Going on but, a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have to say, the I, only I, thing you know, I didn't like about the first episode was Bo-Katan. It really did. Her, her attitude. Yeah, it just did not feel like the character to me. And it felt like such a waste of Katie Sackhoff, didn't it? I mean, you're just like, come on. The impression I get, you know, because she was pregnant at the time, and I'm wondering if that was like a way to take her off the table for the season, maybe. Ah, and then put her in a strange, like, laying like down the, position you know, so they yeah, can laying the down fact. position on the. Yeah, that's my thinking. I could see I could that. Feel. It just didn't but, feel like the character that I grew to know in Rebels. Right. Yeah, agreed. But, you know, I, I, for me, well, but we also got to hear about how the, uh, you know, horrible, hateful person uh, who was the marshal of the town is no longer in town. Right. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I thought that was just sort of amusing. We're just we're just going to pass that off. And, you know, just in comments. Yeah, she left town. 
She's she's not here anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I, I am surprised they even brought her up. Right. I guess they felt like they had to. Oh, I, yeah, I guess they had to for story. Like, why isn't she your marshal? Why are you asking me to be marshal? You yeah. know, like, and well, it, interesting no. that they didn't just kill her off, you know, I, yeah. assuming that they'll recast her at some point. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you I know. still think they have plans for the character. Yeah, I'm sure they do. I mean, they got yeah. too much invested in the character to, to just willy nilly cut her loose. You know, and here's the thing. We know this about Disney. Disney would just wait until it died. The, the controversy died down. But unfortunately, mm-hmm. she leaned into it. Right. <laughs> so right. now they're like, OK, yeah, <laughs> she's off planet. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they'll recast her. They'll find yeah. somebody who works. and They'll just recast her. I mean, I think that's fair. Yeah. I um, you know, when I saw the episode was only 34 minutes or so with, you know, with their, their long end credit sequence, I was kind of disappointed because I'm like, ah, you know, it's uh first episode of the season i wanted something meaty mm-hmm. um, and really this is a very you know kind of going back to my comfort blanket um reference this episode was very just comfort blanket like here's right. here's the characters you know and love here's the here's the storyline we're going to have this season roll credits right um you know a, a very brief action sequence so you don't get bored uh you know of, of uh you know some star fighting but it was it was very much just a, an introductory episode but i still enjoyed it you know mm-hmm. I, th- I thought it was well done Carl Weather, whenever Carl Weathers on, is on screen, you can tell he eats that roll up. Yeah. God, and that God, his outfit was gorgeous. <laughs> I mean, his I would clothes. totally cosplay that every day. <laughs> <laughs> but so, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing where the season takes us. We know that man, that Mando is, uh, well, Din, Din Djarin, yeah, is, uh, is headed to Mandalore to, to rebaptize himself uh, and uh, be forgiven for his transgressions, for taking That's off right. his helmet. Under the crystallized, you know, because, <laughs> you know, the Empire made uh, Mandalore just a planet of glass after yeah. all of the uh, nukes, I guess, hit the planet. So uh, should be interesting. Should be interesting. I'm 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 excited. You know, I, number one, I'm glad that there's something something new to watch uh, yeah. on my Disney Plus because my Disney Plus was getting a little stale. I was thinking that recently. I'm like, yeah. I don't remember the last time I watched anything on disney plus yeah i was the me, last thing bad i watched batch was already came say bad batch already has come back so i've been watching bad oh, batch on it okay i the last thing i watched was the uh the portion of wakanda forever that i walked out on oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know I'm, I'm eager for ant-man to you know quantumania to hit disney plus because i want to watch it again but uh, other than that, it's been it's been a while since I watched a regular show on on, on the plus. So yeah, yeah. yeah did they, you uh, see Did you see the article that I shared where yeah. uh, Disney might be offloading its stake in Hulu to get back the distribution rights for the Hulk and Namor? I saw that. Now I um I don't know if the juice is worth the squeeze. I mean I don't know if Hulu is uh I don't know what Hulu generates for them revenue wise. Mm-hmm. But they've got like, like a, a 60 some percent stake in yeah. uh, Hulu. So it does seem like a lot to give up. But I, I imagine it's not going to be a, a one for one exchange. It could be just that's part of the deal. Right. Yeah. That because I can't imagine that that's that's the 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 beginning and end of that deal. I, it's got to be like, you know, a lot of money plus throw in Hulk and Namor and we'll give you the rest of what we own in Hulu. But I uh I like the idea of it because that means we could actually get a real Hulk movie. Yeah. I, I can't say I'm interested in a Namor movie with the current depiction of Namor from uh, Wakanda Forever. 
But yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't. For me, it, it it doesn't feel like a the juice is worth the squeeze on that deal. But but I'm not Disney. I'm not Bob Iger. We'll see. What no, he does. no, you're not, Paul. No, stop I, trying but to be Bob Iger, Paul. <laughs> you be so, Paul. I'll be Paul. I'll be Paul. And what I'm going to do is Aaron, I'm stop trying to make Paul happen. <laughs> stop <laughs> trying to make Paul a thing. <laughs> so this week we had a couple of comic series end, which was a uh, so a little bit more uh, room on the uh, the old poll list uh, after today because uh, Human Target and Sergeant Rock versus the Army of the Dead both had their their series ending issues, and uh, so I know we 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 have been enjoying Human Target. Quite a bit. And I'm very curious to see if you guys felt like they stuck the landing on this one. Well, I got to say, um, the book did not end the way I thought it would end. Um, I, I, I really thought that, uh, you know, our hero, the human target, was going to, you know, somehow pull a rabbit out of his hat. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, given that that's kind of what he does. Right. Um, but, you know, so I, I, I really had it in the back of my mind that, you know, something else would happen here. But man, they lean so far into ice is not the person you think she is, you know? Yeah. And I mean, that was becoming more and more evident throughout the book. But this last issue spends a lot of time talking about her dual nature and how maybe the real person that she is is not at all the person you think she is. And I really kind of dug that. I, you know, I kind of dug that, you know, beneath this you know, sweet, easy to get along with kind demeanor. She's kind of a monster um, and, and deeply traumatized. I, I, I kind of really dig that about her. Yeah. Um, like I like the book. Yeah. Like you, Aaron, I thought he was going to find a way to survive. Yeah. And then I remembered as I was reading this issue, that's not a Tom King book. Tom yeah. King's DC books seem to be out of continuity mm-hmm. so he can do things. Right. And he can kill characters and he can push stories on and have a more impactful story. And that's what he did here. Mm-hmm. The it is amazing to me that he basically made Ice the bad guy, but made us love her so much that we feel sorry for her and can't help but still love the character, despite showing us that she deep down has some monster traits. Yeah, she's a murderer. Yeah. <laughs> She's a murderer. She's a blackmailer. Uh, and that's what, you know, you know, you, you, to your point, you kind of have to remove yourself from continuity, right? Because right. these, because for what it's worth, this book, this entire series has painted the, the justice league, um, you know, of, of the, uh, Kevin McGuire. And who was the writer on that, um, era? Oh, of, was it, uh, Keith Giffen? Keith Giffen. No. Yeah. Was it? I think okay. it was. I think it was Keith okay. Giffen. You know, the uh, that era, you know, paints those characters as really despicable. All of them. You know, Guy Gardner is not great. Fire, Fire and Ice both are kind of like they're aware of what's happening. They're aware that Ice is a murderer. Um, even Martian Manhunter is, you know, not not really a good person. I mean, yeah. not not really a good Martian. Um, they're all Blue Beetle pretty much make it out unscathed. Well, Blue Beetle's still Blue Beetle, right? <laughs> Blue Beetle's an asshole in any medium. Um, or, you know, a lovable dunce, I should say. But, yeah, the rest of them are just kind of like, none of you are good people. And you have yeah. to remove yourself from that continuity of these are heroes doing heroic things because none of them are really heroic. 
represented as heroic in this series. And I, I still enjoyed the series, but it, especially the end, you know, spoiler warnings, because we're talking about the last issue, you know, where she sits at the end and she's, you know, giving it another go to murder Lex Luthor and she's smiling about it. And I'm like, eh, you know, something about that. like if I if that was an, it, it took me a second to say, OK, take yourself out of continuity. <laughs> and, you know, th- this is not the ice, you know, and love who isn't a murderer. This, this <laughs> ice is. <laughs> yeah. One of my favorite things in the entire issue, though, is she's struggling to figure out the right place to spread his ashes mm-hmm. and comes to the decision. The only proper place to spread the ashes is shattering the bottle over Guy Gardner's head. Yeah. yeah. It's like yeah. that is what he would have wanted. I loved it. I loved it. I mean, the, I I just think this was a terrific story. Uh, I the artwork throughout the entire story uh, by uh, uh, Greg Smallwood is just stunning. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, it certainly is evocative of a period. You know, it feels very 1960s. You know, through, throughout it, but the the way he draws ice. In addition to the the storytelling by Tom King, you know, the 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 combination of the words and the visual art and the book is what makes you love her. Right. I mean, you, you are being seduced not just by, you know, Chance's commentary about ice and how she makes him feel, but also, you know, the, the visual work here. I just I. This book is so well put together, both from the writing and the and the uh, artwork. It's just it's amazing to me that they were able to do this so competently and so consistently over 12 issues. It's a gorgeous book. Yeah. And one of the issues I've had with a lot of Tom King books is that they don't work as well issue by issue as Mm -hmm. they do collected. Mm -hmm. I think this is going to be strong collected, but. This is one that worked issue after issue yeah. because of the approach of it, because it was so many days in his life that it worked better than most. Right. Yeah, I agree. I I, I thought it was, you know, Tom King has been a, a bit hit or miss with me, but mm-hmm. this one, this one was good. It's a great, it's a great series. And, yeah. you know, it is deserving of the hardcover director's edition, uh, you know, I, I, I this is probably one I will own, uh, you know, when I when it comes out in one of those special editions, uh, because it's just so gorgeous. And I want to be able to open it up and, and look at all of that art in, in one great big bound edition. And Mr. Miracle is still probably the pinnacle of Tom King for me. Yep. But, yeah, this is I'd say this is probably second place. Yeah. Close second. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we had a different book end this week, Aaron. <laughs> Very different book. Um, Sergeant Rock versus the Army of the Dead, written by Bruce Campbell, art by Eduardo Riso. So uh, I feel like you're wanting me to start, Paul. I'm, I'm, I'm queuing it up. OK, so let me say that throughout this series, uh, the artwork by Eduardo Riso is outstanding. Okay. I love the visual storytelling uh, throughout this series. Uh, I, I, it is creepy. It is graphic. It is gnarly. Uh, it is fun. Uh, I really dig it. Where I think this series falls down is the story, the the textual narrative storytelling uh, written by Bruce Campbell. Uh, okay. I think overall it tells a, a fairly satisfying story. It's fun. Yeah. But it's fun, you know. And I I hunger for 
Sergeant Rock stories. Yeah, I love Sergeant Rock, and I love I, th- I love the trick they did here that Sergeant Rock is drawn in the style of of Bruce Campbell playing the role. Right? I think I think that is a, a really cool sort of uh, device here. But I don't feel like Bruce Campbell knows enough about the way things worked in World War II. Uh, and that he is he doesn't understand uh, army tactics enough to write an effective Sergeant Rock story. And that's where I felt like the book overall over the course of what, five issues, six issues, six. Yeah. Um, over the course of, of the telling of the story, it just felt like we instead of, you know, each chapter building on the next chapter, I just felt like we were just kind of stretching the story. I feel like there were probably three issues worth of story here that were stretched out over six. You know, that's for real. Because we knew what we needed to do in the first book. Yeah. And it took us six issues to get there. You know, I think for me, while I, I agree with everything you said, um, I, I did enjoy this, the series. Let me just put that I out did there. Too. I enjoyed I did it. Too. It was fun. It's nice it's a throwaway entertainment type of mm-hmm. type of story. Um, for me, where the book falls down is, and maybe we're saying the same thing, but saying it differently. There was l- no suspense, no conflict yeah. that I saw no. in, in this book. It's Sergeant Rock is pointed at something and him and his people just basically go shoot it. And there's no real like danger at any point. Throughout yeah. The I mean, at no issues. point just continue it was just always, okay, <laughs> we've got all these guns. We're going to go shoot these guys. Yeah. You know, and I mean, at no point did you feel like they were going to be overrun, that they were going to lose guys, you know, and, you know, it's it's Sergeant Rock versus the Army of Darkness. Mm-hmm. And it, I felt like it needed more of a walking dead tone to it that you're going to lose people. Yeah. You know, easy company is going to shrink every issue. And that really doesn't happen. You know, we should have seen guys get turned. We should have seen all kinds of things. But, uh, you know, all kinds of horror. But. You know, I feel like the majority of Easy Company makes it out of this just fine. Yeah. Yeah. It's it, it's, it's an interesting, um, interesting way to take it. But I think maybe we went to it with different expectations. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it sounds like, you know, I, I, I very much was expecting something a little scarier, mm-hmm. um, you know, be bringing Bruce Campbell. And it's like, OK, you know, I mean, obviously we're going to get some Evil Dead type action. And that's kind of what we did. But there was still it was very much just like a, a fun, jovial Sergeant Rock shoots a bunch of zombies for six issues book. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, in the end, the, the, the main, if the main complaint I have is that the book was too fun, then it sounds silly to complain about that. Yeah. But yeah, it is basically, I certainly feel like it was fine. You know, it's, it's, it's an, I don't feel like I got full off of that meal, <laughs> but uh, you know, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I probably won't pick up if there's a Sergeant Rock too, because they certainly set it up for more. Um, with the same creative team, though, Eduardo Riso does do great on art. But the, yeah, the, I think the, I'm good. you cannot fault the artwork in this series. No. It is it is pitch perfect. I just wish the story had uh, matched up. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. yeah. So I wanted to ask you guys about Action Comics 1052, because mm-hmm. I feel like 1051, I was the only only one who really liked it. Mm hmm. If I remember correctly, I could be remembering incorrectly. Um, and I'm, 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 but you know, it sounds like we all picked it up. So I'm very curious to hear if you guys liked it. Will you continue with Action Comics? I'm gonna let Wayne go first. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to continue because I want the payoff on the uh, on the Metallo story, not because of anything I'm seeing in the Metallo story, 
But because the buildup for it was so good, it got me hooked and I want to know where it's going. But there was a lot I didn't care for in this. I'm I'm liking the Superman family stuff, seeing them together and hanging out and all of that. But I have some of the same issues of when they're not in costume. I can't tell some of them apart. Yeah, because of the the art choices. I still don't know why the, uh, you know, the Chinese Superman is even there. He's in the scenes in the background, but doesn't even speak in most of these. So why is he even there? And I don't know. Overall, this particular storyline is just not hooking me. But I was so bought into Metallo. And I like some of the Metallo stuff even in this storyline. It's just not paying off the buildup for me. Yeah, I, I agree with a lot of what Wayne said. Now, I think I'm enjoying the main story more than he is. Um, but, you know, I got to agree, when you take them out of their costumes, it is hard to tell oh, yeah. who's who. Uh, you know, I mean, I can I can pick out Kara <laughs> in the room and Crypto, I can figure out him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the rest is a little bit challenging. Um I enjoyed and, and, you know, I I think I got more out of this than maybe others do because I enjoyed the recent War World story. Um, But, you know, you've got the kids who are sleeping in the next room that Lois and and Clark adopted and the girl, you know, neither of them have gotten over the the trauma and their experience on War World themselves and, you know, carrying the chains and, you know, she is sleeping with a, you know, T-shirt wrapped around her, her wrists because that's how you know she used to sleep with chains on her wrists. And, you know, that's that that is still coming out of her trauma, comforting to her. And I thought that was a great callback to that story. Yeah, I think um, that was her. That was her sheets. Oh, is it her sheets? Yeah, I just, because I just it goes it was like, oh, you're when right. You go yeah. back. You can see it goes all the way down and it's yeah, longer. You're right. Yep. But yeah, I figured with that, it's like I'm missing something from that story. Mm-hmm. They talk about the unmade, and it's like, well, I don't know what those are. Mm-hmm. So there were quite a few callbacks to that storyline that I felt like I was missing part of. Right. But uh, I, 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 I'm, I'm enjoying that story. But I got to tell you, for me, the, the, of the three stories in this book, the one that I am particularly responding to is Home Again Part Two by Dan Jurgens and Lee Weeks telling the story of uh, young Jonathan Kent and, uh, you know, other and, and shenanigans. Uh, <laughs> it is, you know, I just, I, I, I love the artwork. I love the, the characters. I love, you know, seeing Superman in, in his black outfit, you know, when he was, you know, flying under the radar. Uh, I'm just getting a kick out of that. I think of kick out of it. It's a lot of fun. I love that era of Jonathan where he's still discovering his powers yeah. and he will react and do something mm-hmm. and overdo it. Right. But, yeah. you know, all of that is contrasted with how much I despise the Power Girl story. Yeah. Uh, and this one in particular, we had talked about last time. Why is Power Girl in this when she's not in the rest of the family, despite them trying to make her a family thing? And they bring they bring that to the forefront in this mm-hmm. by having the patient be Kara mm-hmm. and having them even have the comments about how Kara didn't learn that she had telepathic powers from her. She learned it from this other character. Yeah, it's 
it is such an obnoxious story. I I I fully and completely despise what they're doing here. Yeah, I I, I gotta be honest. I didn't even bother reading it. I knew I wasn't going to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, why uh why would I bother? Why am I gonna hurt myself? <laughs> I'm good. I enjoyed the first two stories. I'm good. Well, and it's sad because I do like the artwork on some. Yeah, the artwork's great. I, I mean, love I, her costume. I love Omen's costume. The visual worlds when they're inside her mind, some of those look interesting, but the story itself is just not one I'm liking at all. Yeah. And in this case, it seems to be all about Power Girl, you know, inside Kara's mind. Yeah. Yeah. I I just I really would, you know, the the artwork by uh, Marguerite Savage or I'm sorry, Savage uh, is stunning. And I just wish that Leah Williams, the writer, was giving her more to work with because, you know, she's she's she is just going all out on a really lackluster story, in my opinion. And I'd love to see what she'd do with something truly spectacular, because, I mean, the artwork is just top notch. It is the artwork. In all, well, I mean, other than the fact that you can't really tell some of those super characters apart when they're mm-hmm. out of costume, the entire book, I thought had had great art yeah. which you know i mean i'm i like the this format of action comics and i'm enjoying like i said the two out of three stories i just wish i was enjoying three out of three stories yeah exactly. there's no reason for the car stories to be there even she says in her own words little do they know i'm the odd one out among the super family and not particularly welcome among the kryptonians well then why is she in this book well <laughs> and i would like them to actually explore that you know why isn't she because we always see, you know, we have historically seen Superman really embrace Power Girl, even though we don't usually see her a lot in the Superman books. It's always when Superman's over in the JSA, right? Uh, but I would like to see more of that. I would like to see them embrace her because um, I like Power Girl. I don't like her here, uh, but I do really enjoy the Power yeah. Girl character in JSA. I love and the I'll, character. And- yeah. All of that time in JSA, she really grew on me. Yeah. But here, she's just, it's not the same character. And when they have that conversation with Supergirl, she's pointing out she doesn't get invited to family dinners. They forget she's related. Mm -hmm. It's like, that's not something we've ever seen from Superman. Right. Yeah, because, you know, he and Lois are, are very much, you know, broaden the family and hold them close. And so why wouldn't they do that? Yeah. So, I mean, they just yeah, adopted and, two randos like <laughs> and that they, you know, but they, and they even know power girl, they've known power yeah. girl for years. So it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't like that. I don't like nah. that. But you know, so when we're talking about the current run on action comics, two out of three ain't bad. Uh, but yeah, I can certainly see where, where you're coming from. Paul skipping that last story because ugh. yeah. 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 Hey, Paul. Yes, sir. What's coming out next week? Well, next week in comic stores, we have new issues of Batman, the Joker, um, um, and uh, we get the first issue of the new Adventures of Superman John Kent book from Tom Taylor and Clayton Henry. This features, you know, uh, John Kent throughout the multiverse on his way to meeting the characters from Injustice. Uh, And from Marvel Comics, we get the Amazing Spider-Man issue 21, which is the start of the story arc that explains what Peter did that they, you know, that the, the big controversy or whatever that this series is founded on. Apparently we will finally find out in the next few issues. What, what, what Peter did to, to upset people in his life. What did he do Paul? 
I don't know. I guess I might I might have to actually pick up this stupid book, even though I don't know. Well, we'll we'll talk about it when we read the book. But it feels like it was set up on this big thing that Peter did, and everyone hated him. But then, like, it seems like everyone got over it <laughs> within the first <laughs> few issues of the series, except for Mary Jane. Uh-huh. So I'm, I'm I'm curious to see what it actually is. Mm. Um, but more which leads us to the question of what or who did Mary Jane do? Mm-hmm. Oh, and uh, the, the the big news next week is that the next Predator miniseries from Marvel Comics is coming out from Ed Brisson, same writer as the prior Predator series, but a new artist, Nitho Diaz. Yeah, it's a bummer uh, yeah. because we, we really, really like the art on that first series. But yeah. th- th- this is a sequel to that series. Very good. Very good. Well, we want to know what you thought about this week's books. What would you think about The Mandalorian? Give us a call. 682-800-3494. That number, once again, 682-800-3494. And if we use your voicemail on this show, you could win a coveted, valuable Ideology of Madness surprise. You can also hit us up on social media. I-O-M Geek on Facebook, Instagram, 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 (laughs) and Twitter. (laughs) Waskily <laughs> Wabbits <laughs> Okay well Y'all y'all have a good week Bye <laughs> Podcast theme music Graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope For more information visit MarkAndrewPope.com Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of IdeologyofMadness.com No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast